Hello everybody, welcome back to Talking Politics with your host Nick. And for today's episode, what we're going to try to do is interview everyday Americans, like yourselves listening, or if you're from a different country, uh, not like you. So today we are going to interview a guy named Max, and we'll go over where he's from, what party affiliation he has, and we'll go from there. I'll ask him some questions. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome, Max. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? Uh, where do you I live? live in, uh, what's that? Uh, continue. I live in Southern California, so uh, kind of more of a Republican area. Of course, most of California is going to be very Democrat, no matter where you're at. But uh, the area that I'm from does have a fair bit more Republican influence. Alright, alright. Uh... What party do you affiliate yourself with? I'm affiliated as a Republican, although I would definitely say that I'd be more towards the center. I have a lot more socially, socially liberal views. I think that's pretty normal with most people from California and maybe even most of the country. Most people that consider themselves conservative actually would be fairly open to a lot of socially liberal ideas. Yeah, there was a poll that said a majority of Americans are fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Yeah, I would find that to be true. A lot of people who are successful Democrats, really, if they broke down their beliefs, they would be more conservative or libertarian. It's just that they get caught up so much on the leftist propaganda or just the social the social aspects that are brought to the, the main front of the news because that's what people want to watch that's what gets everybody riled up so they end up voting democrat when in reality voting democrat is a negative is a negative for the growth of our country and what's really going on in cities and in families across our country yeah, I would say it is very polarized, where it's where you have to choose between either the far left or far right, stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, that's what's actually going on right now, currently. You have these uh, people on the left going so far extreme that now all the moderates, all the moderates that are running uh, are... Well, they're going even further than they really truly believe so that they can keep this, this base of radicals. And so what's happening is you're having the entire party proclaiming ideas that the vast majority of people in our country, right or left, do not agree with. It's just that the ideas are too insane and divisive, but because some people in the party are doing it, all of them feel like they have to follow suit. And so you're 
well, we'll just hop right into uh, the questions. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions ranging from different, I guess, topics like the economy, we'll do criminal justice or civil rights, just that type of thing. So we'll start off with with the first question. Uh, what is your opinion on a universal basic income? I think that universal basic income is an idea that may be a necessity in the future. Um, I see why it's very attractive to people because the idea that you could have extra money, whether it be a small amount or whether it be like what Angie Yang is proposing, $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year, untaxed, any amount of money would help a huge number of American families. I mean, for most American families, $12,000 a year would, would be substantial. Uh, for some, extremely substantial. For others, you know, at least it would take take a little bit of the edge off the, of, off of daily life and expenses. But I think the problem comes to how far do we go and is that actually helping people or are there downsides to it? And I think that what you end up finding is, yes, you know, there are some jobs that are being lost due to automation, and at some point that might become too big of an issue to deal with. Like if Amazon, I, I was hearing the, about 30% of retailing jobs, you know, people that have businesses, you know, markets, they're, it's going, they're going out of business because Amazon now, you can just order everything from groceries to clothing to I mean, really anything you would possibly want online. And so one massive factory that's automated you know, takes over for these smaller businesses. But you also have to look at the negative, and that would be that uh, it turns out that the average person, the average person that makes $16,000 or less a year, right? So people that aren't making very much money, they're spending about $400 a year on lottery tickets because it just so happens that a lot of people do kind of pave the path to success or failure. And so offering free money has the potential to make people maybe not push as hard to find that new job, to get that new education, to get a new set of skills that would better them and push them into making much more money than just $12,000 a year, money that could actually change their lives and their families' lives. And so I personally think that right now we're not at a point where there's no jobs to be had. I mean, you could go out and start applying, and unless you have a serious criminal record or you have, you know, maybe if you have a language barrier, I could see that could be difficult, but there's there's jobs to be had, and I think that charging our economy something like oh, three three and a half trillion dollars a year, which is the current you know UBI recommendation from Angie Yang, maybe would do more harm than good right now. All right, all right. So all right, we'll go on to the next question. What is your opinion on giving? Uh, non-violent fel- felons who have served their time in prison and are either on probation or have finished 
probation or parole, I mean, uh, giving them the right to vote again. So you believe, basically, if if you don't have respect for the law to follow it to begin with, you shouldn't have any hand in making new laws? Absolutely. I mean, for if we're being honest with each other, there's a lot of people that respect the laws and maybe shouldn't be involved in making laws because they don't understand what's going on in our country and, or they can't necessarily think of the best options. I think that the best among us should be dealing with things of that magnitude. And if you already have a couple felonies on your record, I want to put you in that category as someone that should be deciding the futures of others in our country. All right. So this one's a little different. Uh, do you support term limits for Supreme Court justices? So, so currently you serve for life. So let's say, for example, a 30-year-old gets appointed to the Supreme Court. They will stay on there until they die or retire. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I, I like the idea of someone being able to become good at their job and keep, you know, keeping that position. And because, they, you know, once they've learned how to do it, they know how to do it pretty well. But after... After maybe 30 years, things have changed a lot. I think there should be some some kind of limit, yeah, but it doesn't have to be something like a presidential limit of four years. I think it should be something larger, maybe 10 years. Um, 10 years for a term or like 10 years for a term or 10 years total? 10 years for a term. Yeah, something like that. Ten, ten years or maybe a little bit less. You know, then you have the potential to be uh, voted back in. But yeah, there should be there should be some kind of limit just in case that person ends up not being very favorable. There has to be a way to get someone else in there. All right. And uh, what 
what is your opinion on automatic voter registration? Uh, so through the know. DMV, when you get your driver's license, it knows when you turn 18, and at 18, you're automatically registered to vote. Just registering to be able to vote. And I, depending on this state, if they have closed or open primaries, you may have to choose your party affiliation. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm for that. I mean, I, I think that the sooner people get involved in politics or the sooner the people start to realize that they have that voice and they have the ability to choose to vote uh, or to vote for a candidate, the more likely that they'll start getting involved with with their community or at least learning about what's going on in their community, what's going on in our country. And I think that a lot of people go throughout their whole lives not really knowing anything about how our country's run because it doesn't necessarily affect them at a very personal level. And so, yeah, I think that registering people to go automatically, yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. As long as, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to vote, but at least they know they have that option. All right, and what do you think about Election Day being a holiday? A federal holiday. Uh, what? Sure. I mean, what holiday? It would be just Election Day. Somewhere around there, it's not enough it, people it vote. Be, yeah, it's shocking how many people don't vote. We'll just put it like that. With them, they have the ability to, and so I think that anything to make it easier for people to have their voice heard there. All right, and uh, we'll do a criminal justice one. Do you think every cop should get a camera, like a body camera? Now they're having to 
makes their job very difficult. Uh, our job's already very difficult. But I think that so far what we've been noticing is that actually these body cams have been, you know, liberating cops. Like if there's the, the number of times that cops have been been called out for being ab- abusive with their power, and then they just show the cam footage, you know, and then they get they get now now their word has some evidence to back it up. I think in a, in a culture like we do nowadays, where so many people are anti-cop, and I mean, it might even be necessary for the cops' protection. That's what I think. And then, obviously, if the cop is being absolutely grossly negligent in their in their in their use of their power, then you can catch that too. Yeah. I think it's. I think that it. The camera is okay. I just don't. I think the idea that camera is necessary because so many cops are are being abusive of the power that is that's a dangerous falsely like for instance in LA County if a police officer the police officer pulls the trigger right because a lot of people don't understand this if a cop pulls the trigger on their gun it's considered it's considered to be a homicide if they pull it, if they pull the trigger and kill somebody it's considered to be a homicide they're, they're put on leave and then they are investigated like they're, they're put they're put on trial so every single time a cop commits a homicide completely justified or not they still have to go under the intense scrutiny of are they going to have to go to prison or not and currently for LA County sheriffs they have to front money for their own lawyer. The department doesn't even cover their own lawyer anymore. So, I mean, cops have a real bad, have a real bad rap for no reason right now. And I think that, if anything, the body cams are kind of, it's kind of showing us that, man, these cops go through a lot of fucking stress and a lot of abuse, and they keep a level head every single day. Well, there there's a study done that shows that uh, with the body cameras, there's a 60% reduction in use of force. So where the cops use force on a citizen and an 88% reduction in complaints against the cops. Well, exactly. And so that's, that's the thing is now uh, criminals have this extra, extra bit of flair. They think... They have this extra courage, you know. They 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 think, well, now I can say anything, which they already were saying these. They already were saying things. I mean, you gotta imagine every time a cop was pulled over, or every time a cop pulls someone over, the person that's committing the crime is not very happy. They're committing a crime. They think, obviously, they should be able to commit the crime more often than not, and the cop is the one keeping them from getting away with that, and so. The, the hatred for cops is understandable. Uh, however, yeah, you have this 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 decline in force when obviously force is necessary when you're dealing with violent criminals. Um, and I think that letting more criminals walk, you know, letting more, I mean, already we have a huge problem with letting criminals walk. Um, and, and that's what I mean that by like 40% of the overall homicides in our country 
go unsolved, right? And obviously a big part of that is witnesses not testifying. And we're getting a little bit into the weeds, but um, I think that taking away power that cops need to do their job and to keep communities safe, especially communities filled with high levels of crime, that's that's a negative. Um, and that's why I think that cops just need more people on their side. Like, more people need to be in support of the cops. Um, uh, the complaints are unrealistic. The amount of complaints, yeah, that you can watch. I mean, there was an instance in South Carolina where a cop was called, was, it was claimed that the cop was saying all sorts of derogatory things and they showed the body cam. This was a uh, NAACP chapter leader there, actually. And turned out, nope, cop, cop was completely respectful. You know what I mean? There's there's so many instances where these body cams are, are showing what these cops are really going through. And so, I don't know, there's pros and there's cons, but I think more our country needs and the police officers of our country need our support from law-abiding citizens, knowing that what they're going through is is everyday dangerous and, well, very not very enjoyable. All right, and uh, so now we're going to get into some more, I guess, controversial issues, if that's okay, okay. with you. So the first one is... What is your take on the healthcare issue in the country? Well, either what tell me what you're opposed and why you're opposed to it, or what would you recommend on fixing it? So, whenever I talk to anybody that isn't happy with their healthcare, the number one complaint I hear is transparency. Uh, they, it's not transparent enough. So, for instance, someone will go in and they will request. Uh, some procedure or whatever it might be, and um, they'll say, well, does my insurance cover it? Oh, yes, your insurance does cover it. Uh, okay, what is the cost? Oh, well, this will be the cost, you know, after your insurance covers most of it. Um, okay. And then what happens is, throughout the procedure, there'll be little things, right? Like, they'll check your blood or, you know, they'll take a blood sample or, you know, Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, they'll give you a Band-Aid, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, these charges rack up. And so I think that's that's the main problem is transparency. Um, so you think transparency and, in the hospitals? Yeah, transparency with this is exactly what it's going to cost. This is exactly what it, what these things are worth, what these drugs or these, you know, what this equipment's worth. And so this is what we're paying just so people know. Um, so you, they can't be overcharged. I think Trump right now is actually trying to pass legislation to make things more transparent, as well as there's talks about uh, opening up the market to um, open up the market to be able to buy pharmaceuticals you know, from other countries. So, like for instance, uh, insulin from Canada. There's a significantly cheaper version than what they sell here in America and so therefore if another country offers the same uh, product you know uh, the, the product is way cheaper and it passes FDA regulations then we would be allowed to buy that and so there's definitely things to change on that now if you're, ta- if you're talking about overall overall socialized healthcare like they're speaking 
about on the Democratic side, the Democratic debates are going a little wild. Um, and that's what I mean by the, the moderates are going super far to the left, even though even though they don't all necessarily believe the things that they're saying. Um, you, you heard things like, should there be nationalized health care for all? And everybody raised their hands. You heard stuff like, should the, the, the CNN anchors asked, well, should nationalized health care for all be given to even illegal immigrants? And they all said yes. I mean, now we're talking uh, some crazy stuff like giving free health care for only every American or every single human being that ends up inside of the American borders, uh, no matter how they end up getting there. And so I think that's obviously the main danger of nationalized health care for our country. So I'm not, I'm not proposing that. I think that um, there's a lot of things that we could do currently to make our health care better, even though it is really good. Um, something like 70-something percent of, of Americans get health care from their jobs. And so um, if you already have good health care from your job, and then they nationalize healthcare. Well, now you're you're having to forfeit your already stellar healthcare, so that you can pay into a system for worse healthcare. And that just that just seems a little bit unfair because you break your cards right to get that good healthcare. Um, so I think obviously one of the biggest things they're talking about letting the free market bring down the cost of healthcare by opening up uh, the buying potential for uh, other states. So if you live in California, you could buy healthcare. In Arizona or Nevada or wherever the healthcare that you would want for the price that you want is available, and that would bring down prices. That's one option. Um, but I think the main factor here is what people are wondering, people are discussing is nationalized healthcare or some form of private healthcare, whether there be a mix of, of government and private or just private. But I, I'm opposed to full nationalized healthcare, and I think that I, I think that it's very dangerous because currently, right now, one sixth of the American economy is is in the healthcare field, right? Is healthcare. So whatever that might be, you know, it, it's it's one sixth of the American economy, which is a huge, huge amount of money, trillions of dollars, right? And so I think giving the government that much control over America is a very dangerous thing to do. One-sixth of the entire American economy now put in the palms of the leaders that we all think are so corrupt anyways, right? And, and now they're getting to make choices. I mean, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. and. It would, it would majorly increase the size of the government. Um, and both sides, it seems, doesn't like the government. I mean, if you're a Democrat or Republican, everyone has their complaints. So why would you want to give them so much more power? Uh, that's why I think it would be dangerous, not to mention that every country that's ever had socialized health care, the quality, you know, plummeted. And it obviously was never done on a scale like America. I mean, it was done in countries that have far more homogeneous, uh, you know, citizenship and also, you know, just a much lesser population. So those are my thoughts. So to simplify what you said, 
you basically you're more in favor of the less government uh open up the market route rather than the socialized medicine route <laughs> yes yeah you you have to you have to let the free market try to do its thing and if it, it generally does it, uh, it almost always does the free market i mean we saw this obviously with uh, laser eye surgery right uh, when you when people first started getting laser eye surgery, it was tens of thousands of dollars, and then they because health insurance didn't cover it, the free market brought it down. Now it's where it's only a couple thousand dollars, and you can get the surgery. It's it's significantly cheaper. The free market worked its magic, and the idea that that won't work with all other facets of healthcare seems to me to be not paying attention to history. All right. All right. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this uh, next issue, but we'll see what you know. Uh, climate change. So, uh, climate change. So are you familiar with the issue? I know a little bit. All right. What are you uh, talking about? So, do you believe that it is an actual threat, or do you believe it's not as bad as the Democratic Party is saying? And if, depending on where you lie on that, what do you think we should do to help, I guess, limit it? Yeah, so, climate change is, global warming is obviously a threat. Um, And... It's happening, but the question is obviously at what rate and what should we do about it? Um, and so that's where we start getting into some talk that's a little dangerous. So is the climate getting warmer? Yes. Is the majority, the vast majority of that just from natural warming of the climate as always happens on, on our planet? You know, it gets colder, it gets warmer. Yes, it, it is, and that's that even the scientists don't dispute that, right? Because you have to remember when President Trump pulled out of the climate, the climate Paris Climate Accords, the world, you know, Americans, Democrats freaked out. Well, the reason he pulled out was because America was going to spend ungodly amounts of money uh, on trying to slow down the rate of climate change and of global warming. While other big co- big countries like Russia and China were going to do, and India, right, were going to do nothing. They were going to do nothing to help fight uh, global warming. And obviously right now, you know, the biggest polluters of, uh, of CO2 emissions are India and China. And that's because they're industrializing and they're, they're, they're you know, they're trying to improve their economy. And so what, what the people on the left are posing, especially with this whole Green New Deal, you know, insanity, is that is that America would fundamentally change our entire economy, that we would ban all fossil fuel usage, which would absolutely tear apart the, just, just the way that Americans live their lives. And so... Um, I think there's two things you have to consider because the Paris Climate Accords were the scientists. They were saying that if we if we did 
everything we could possibly do, spend all the money, enforce all the laws, every, do everything we could do, the most extreme things we could do, we would to stop global warming. We would probably change the temperature by 0.2 degrees Celsius in the next hundred years. And what they're what they're asking to sacrifice is astronomical, right? So what they're asking to sacrifice is countries in the third world, right, that have the majority of their populations in poverty that are suffering. People that are just trying to get to the day alive. We're now asking them to, to not burn, you know, coal, to not burn, you know, cheap affordable, effective forms of energy, they're just never going to do that. That's just not a reasonable ask. And then also to, to tear apart the American economy, it would cost us trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And I know everyone tries to say like, oh, well, what should the cost of saving the world be? But the thing is, we're, we're not saving the world. We would, we would change the, 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 the temperature by... 0.2 degrees Celsius in the next 100 years. And I mean, think of what happened if we ban all fossil fuels. Okay, so the entirety of the American military disappears. Well, they run on fossil fuels. Almost every, almost every, every, you know, vehicle, tank, airplane, ship runs on fossil fuels. Okay, so now we don't even have an American military to defend us. I can see that going wrong real, real quick if all of a sudden, you know, China and Russia are pumping out fossil fuels and, you know, ramping up their militaries and then we don't have one. And beyond that dangerous situation, you have just the Americans that would suffer. I mean, we would, we, we wouldn't be able to tra transfer over to, you know, wind and solar very quickly. And so that's why we have to think about like, pro pro you know, actual solutions. So for instance, nuclear energy, nuclear energy is extremely effective and extremely you know, extremely green for the environment, but for some reason, Democrats are against it. And the arguments that, you know, because because the, the dangers of nuclear are just, they're, they're just not consistent, right? You had, you had the, you had the nuclear meltdown in Japan, you had, you had Chernobyl, and there's like one other one, like, there was one other one, and, um, that's it over, you know, many, many decades. And only one of those happened in the first world. And only one, you know, and so like, right now I think France, 60% of their, 60% of France's total energy is nuclear. And we're, you know, they're not hearing about anything, any negatives of that. It's just, it's the idea that we would have to completely ban driving automobiles, that we would have to, Re restructure every building and factory in America. The idea that we would have to completely, completely cut the effectiveness of our military. All of this to change the the temperature of the world by 0.2 degrees Celsius. If we somehow convince China, Russia, India, and every other country in the world to get on board, I mean, it's just it's not a probable. Or it's, it's just not a it's just not an argument that can be made, and so I think we have to start speaking logically about this. And you know, I'm all for using green energy. I'm all for all that, but we just have to we have to do it in a in a way that 
like AOC saying the world's going to end in 12 years, which no climate scientist would ever back up. That's just not the way to do it. You can't just be screaming stuff out and trying to scare people. We have to speak, think about it, you know, and do the right thing. (laughs) All right. So, uh, to finish up this interview, uh, you watch the Democratic debates, or most of it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, most of them. Is there any candidate that you saw that impressed you that you would maybe consider voting over Trump? Yeah. Uh, honestly, Andrew Yang is... Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard, I like both of them, but Andrew Yang was the only, was the only one that really impressed me. I mean... Seems like he's a genuine dude, right? He was working in the Obama administration, but he wasn't necessarily a politician, so he doesn't have, he's not tied down like a lot of other politicians would be. Um, he, he seems to be a genuine person for what you can take from I mean, definitely he seems more genuine than Trump. I mean, he seems like a good dude. You know, he has a, he has a family, and he was talking about how one of his kids is autistic, and like, now these are all just things that, doesn't necessarily mean his policies are going to be great, but from from what he was saying, it, it seems like he's crunched the numbers. He said, like, yeah, I'm the opposite of Trump, but I'm an Asian that loves math. And if he's crunched the numbers, I mean, that's what we need, is we need a politician. Like, he was saying how uh, for, for American uh, happiness, right, like, you, you, we was talking about the education of our of our youth. Like we always look at, oh, who has degrees? What are they graduating from high school? Was what you know? Um, and he was saying, no, there's so many other things that go into students being well educated. And like two thirds of students, two thirds of children being educated comes comes from the stuff they're doing outside of the school. You know, it's from stable family life with two parents. It's having you know parents that push the proper culture and the proper um, the proper beliefs about, you know, being pro-education and, you know, following the law so that you can, you know, have a future once you get out of high school. Like, these are the things that, that are important much more than did you show up to school and sit there and just screw off all day. And so he was saying what he would do is he would go up to the State of the Union address every year and he'd, he'd put a PowerPoint up and he would show exactly, step by step, what is what is being uh, productive in our country uh, and what is, you know, hurting our country. And so I think that kind of more scientific, statistical, you know, just just factual approach to, to politics is what we need. What we need is people that aren't afraid to say, say statistics, people that aren't afraid of facts, people that aren't afraid of the truth because the truth hurts. It often hurts, and it hurts bad, and it hurts everyone. You know, There's, everybody has something that that they don't want to believe is true, but it is. And so, the sooner that we can deal with the truth in our country and the true problems we have, the sooner we can move forward, and the sooner that we can we can start to rebuild or you know build up. I mean, I I don't think "Make America Great" is the best slogan because I think America has always been fantastic. Um, and it doesn't mean we haven't had our problems, but we, I think we always have been, I think, but we can do way better. And so in order to do that, we have to quit.
quit ignoring the simple truth. We have to look at the numbers. We have to figure out what's going on in our country so that we can start taking steps forward. We all have to make, we as Americans have to agree on basic ideals, basic facts. Otherwise, it just becomes an arguing match and and we never get anywhere. So Yang, I think, would be the, the he's the only person I've seen that would make me, honestly, he makes me want to vote Democrat because it seems like he's actually going to attack issues from a scientific approach, you know, like from a, from a, from a method of, of step-by-step, that's what we have to do, not just talk, but action. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. And, uh, I hope you stay safe out there. Uh, thank you for your service and, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Alright guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Politics. Please remember, share the episode with a friend, and share the entire show with a friend actually. And uh, please continue uh, tuning in for more episodes. Have a good one.